Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the logbook. Specifically, welcome back to the 16th episode of the logbook. I'm one of your hosts, John Patty, joined always by James Robinson. James, but dying to ask you this week, and also just kind of during quarantine, because we don't get to put on these as much when we're not going out of the house. What's your favorite kind of shoe to wear? Oh my god. I don't know, man. Like in terms of comfort, I guess it's just uh, just my my basic ass running shoes. But like, I got these uh, these roots tough boots. I like those a lot. I got two pairs of those. Describe tough boots. Like what what makes a boot tough, James? It's just Canadian made. Ford Fair, there you go. Ford, right Ford tough. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. They're just uh, they're pretty comfortable boots. They're good for. Uh, like I use them for work when I was doing a little bit of contracting and uh, use them for a couple hikes. So yeah, I don't know. They're just they're good nice. stuff. All right. I think, I think even though I haven't worn these in a long time, I'm a, I'm a desert boots guy myself, Clark Clark's desert boots. Cause they're kind of the perfect, perfect, uh, you know, versatile thing fashion wise, but also still surprisingly comfortable considering the minimal design. Man, mm-hmm. can't, can't really go wrong with that. I don't know. I was just thinking about it. Cause it's like, Hey, uh, we don't go out of the house a lot anymore. What's one thing you do when you go out of the house? And that's putting on freaking shoes. Fair enough. Like, yeah. Like since I know? moved, uh, since I moved to my dad's, I've been here two weeks now, I think. Um, almost two weeks. I've only been out of the house once. Damn. So that's, that's, that's life right now. I mean, yeah. it, it's insane, right? So I can't, yeah. Like I can't go for a walk or anything cause I'm downtown. Like I'm not going for a walk downtown. You crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, either way, this is not a podcast about shoes. This is a podcast about video games. But it it's could the, be. It could be. We could change uh, it. You know, you never know what we're gonna do next. Yeah, you never know. It's, it, it's video it, game shoes. Yeah, knuckles. Hey, knuckles. And given, and given the fact that there's like brand collaborations with like Puma, there's a very multi-layered conversation. All right. All right. Let's, let's not get too far into this. Uh, well, what, what we will get into, though, is video game news, starting off with a couple of uh, stories that we find to be the most pertinent. And the things rhymes have... shoes. Oh, there you go. Yeah, shoes and news. Uh, whatever just seems most relevant to us in the given week. We can't cover absolutely everything. We're not pros, but uh, just talk about what we feel like talking about. Speaking of which, we also have a main conversation for the week. It could be uh, about pretty much anything video game related that comes to mind. In the past, we've done things like games that we think will never happen or our favorite games of x genre or favorite kind of moment any any sort of evergreen sort of content you could think of in that regard and then as always we like to finish off episodes by talking about what we've been playing for that week so with that said we'll start off with the news that rhymes with shoes and james robinson i don't have a rhyme so start the news (laughs) i'm disappointed in you but okay Uh, I, i failed you i'm sorry um should we bulk all the Nintendo? I mean, there's two Nintendo things and two non-Nintendo things. Should we bulk them together? That ah, doesn't really matter. I'll just go in the order of the week. You you make the executive decision. All right, all right. Give me the power. It's nice. Uh, <laughs> we got a trailer for Bowser's Fury, which is the uh, the like add-on to uh, Super Mario 3D World, and it looks dope as fuck and that's yeah 100 percent uh an official quote from nintendo Uh, (laughs) 
yeah, but it, it looks great. It told us uh, it kind of blew the blew the doors off of off of this whole Bowser's Fury thing. Um, told us everything along with like their their press release and website afterwards. It told us everything we need to know about the mode. Um, it's uh, set in a new kind of kingdom. Um, Bowser is furious at something. We don't really know why. At uh, Mario, he, silly. Well, but also at his kid, maybe. Maybe he's oh, just furious true. at the world, you know? Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, Bowser Jr. is going to be joining on this journey. So he kind of brings to, to Mario's attention that uh, Bowser's, uh, he's pretty mad, and he's turned into this big, uh, what John referred to as Calamity Bowser. I mean, it is Calamity it is, Bowser. Like, basically. Totally. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he's uh, well, he's Fury Bowser. That's what he's called. But yeah, he turns into this massive, hulking monster, uh, and Bowser Junior illustrates this literally with a paintbrush, uh, and asks for Mario's help. So you are going along uh, collecting cat shines. Everything's a cat in this mode. So I'm not a huge fan of that, but I will admit the cat powered up is pretty awesome. In terms of its functionality, on, on one hand, James, it, it, uh-huh. there's a lot of cat stuff, but it also technically means the return of shines. Which is pretty, yes. it's pretty so, cool. Yeah, so this is uh, it's it feels like a pseudo Mario Sunshine sequel in a way because Bowser Jr. is using his uh, paintbrush from that game or a similar paintbrush, uh, and yeah, there's the cat shines. Uh, there's a big emph- emphasis on exploring the water with Plessy, who's that giant dinosaur that you ride on in a couple of levels in 3D World. But you can like go everywhere with her in this, which is really cool. You can even ride on the land. So like, that's that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so basically, what happens in this mode is you uh, have to collect a bunch of these cat shines and to unlock the Giga Bell, which turns Mario into a uh i mean there's no other way to say it it's it's a super saiyan or or super sonic version of mario uh of cat mario sorry um flowing golden locks uh exuding power uh turns gigantic so that he can take on bowser um but yeah, it looks like a, a super fun mode. There's no indication of how long it'll be. I'm hoping it'll be pretty substantial, but I don't know. Given that it's part of the new title, uh, I would hope it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we won't know until a month from now when the game releases. But also, did you see the new box art for it? Like I the, no, I did not actually. The art for this mode is awesome oh is it like uh it's the uh, blah, blah, blah. mario and bowser jr on the cliff kind of like yeah, back. So, yeah okay, okay so they kind of added that to the bottom half of the uh the box art gotcha um, yeah they cut off cat luigi and cat toad i think screwing over so luigi someone again. pointed out i think it was uh i was listening to good vibes gaming today and i think one of them pointed out that mario is on that box three different times <laughs> So we get it, Nintendo. We get it. It's, it's Mario 3D. Oh, yeah. There you, you go. That's, that's that simple, James. Come because on. Because of his three penises. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I knew that was coming. Come on now. Hey, that's okay. 
Sometimes um, you need a little lowbrow humor, you know? Oh, I agree. But uh, absolutely, this game, like, I, I was going to buy this, not remake, but remastered version of uh, 3D World. Like, kind of with some enjoyment, like, more, more so out of just, like, Mario fan obligation, if I'm being honest. But... Mm-hmm. I, I, it, my, my interest was peaked for sure when Bowser's Fury was first teased uh, at the uh, the announcement of this game, and now seeing more of what the, the the substance of it all is, like, oh my god, I am now actually truly excited to pick this up in February. Um, I more like if I have the, I'm not even gonna lie, if I have the option to just go straight into Bowser's Fury, which I'm assuming I will, because it's kind of a secondary. I think you can. Game, I I'm, think I'm, you can. I'm playing that first, hundred yeah. percent. 100%. Not even touching 3D World until I've completed everything about Bowser's Fury. Yeah, I might want to do that too, actually, to avoid any spoilers and stuff. Um, if I mean, not that spoilers are really a thing. I just mean more in terms of level gimmicks and, and stuff like James, that. Gameplay. Bowser's in it and you defeat him. Dude, fuck you. <laughs> James is furious. You ruined the whole thing. Um, Turn into calamity, James. The other thing that I'm hearing about it was another thing pointed out on GVG. Uh, I don't know the validity of it, and I hope it's not true, but playing online, uh, apparently only the host gets to keep progress when you're paying 3D World. Wow. So Why am I not surprised by that, I, though? Yeah, I know. Why am I not surprised? It's really... A, it's annoying. So that's I, kind of turning me off from playing it with... Uh, with my girlfriend of the show, but I don't know. Last thing I'll say before we move on, as far as if that is true about the online mode, it just seems like saying that Nintendo handles online stuff poorly, doesn't do it enough. It feels like if that's true, that it cements the idea that I think Nintendo management has a dartboard filled with convoluted inconveniences that then convoluted niche inconveniences that they'll just blindfold themselves with and throw a dart at and be like, ah, yes, we're going to include that in our next major multiplayer online title. Like, ah, <laughs> yes, so- we're going to require people to download an app separate from their consoles to use voice chat. Exactly, because that's that's what I'm getting at. It's never just like, oh, a bad thing that is missing. It's it's such a it's a it's weird a workaround. Weird, yeah, weird, long winded thing that's wrong with an online functionality. Yeah, and it's I so it's almost not even frustrating. It's almost just more like like huh how do you even think of that bad thing (laughs) i don't know i will say though i mean this is kind of going off topic some people say uh they don't like the friend code thing um i like it actually because you can make your name whatever you want you don't have to worry about someone else having the same name that's a good point yeah that's one thing i like about their online and you just give the code once and that's Mm -hmm. all you have like to a friend and that's it um so that's fine. But yeah, everything else is... Uh, I mean, I guess I can bring that up. I could have brought that up later in our conversation, but I didn't have the notes for it. Anyway, that's uh, that's besides the point. Yeah. Um, so that's the, there's a lot to unpack there. I know we got a bit off topic, but there's also just a lot to unpack with the new trailers and the content being shown uh, for Bowser's Fury. Yeah. Look forward to that. Watch, um, again, I, I keep plugging their channel because I really like it. And in right, light of recent events, um, I'd like to do that more. 
Mm-hmm. Not that that many people are listening to this, but uh, they did. Uh, Derek from GVG did a uh, a deep dive uh, on the trailer, and they released a follow up like uh, trailer that kind of explained a lot of things. And he ended up getting a lot of shit right. So if you want proof that they are knowledgeable gamers, that's yeah, pretty man. good proof of it. And it was a good <laughs> video. And Derek's always it fun was. to to listen to. So. Yeah, yeah, great people over there at uh, GBG. We won't go into the events right now. Uh, uh, make I don't it think so- we're. I don't think we're going to cover it on here. It's, it's not really. Oh. I don't know. Maybe we we have a a special episode coming up in a couple of weeks about a topic that this might touch on. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, Wait, well anyways. The- is it the second one on our topic <laughs> ideas list? Yes, and I'm yeah, saying okay. special because it's there's something very different about there it. There is something very different about it. We don't and have I a think, date. We don't yeah. have a date for that one yet, but yeah. That's yeah. uh yeah, okay. Fair yeah. enough. Um but anyways, moving on to the next news item. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. One other quick ad- amendment to that um Bowser Fury thing. I we didn't mention it yet and I don't know if this is what you were going to say, but there's a Mario new Mario themed switch coming out. Oh, I forgot about that entirely. Yeah, it's um, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. It's it's not bad. You know what I think they should have done uh, for the for the Joy Cons especially is they should have made them blue, and they should have put the yellow buttons on them, and then they should have made the grip red so that it looks like Mario's overalls. That would have been sweet. Yeah, but they That's didn't really fucking do that, did they? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I I think I might just throw out my Switch now, honestly. That's, I mean, that's why why not? Yeah. Boycott Nintendo. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, that's uh, all we need to say about that, I think. So move on. <laughs> yeah, the next next two items here kind of can just be listed off, I guess, because it's in the same sort of vein of uh, a larger conversation that's really dominated the industry, I think, in an exciting way for the last, I guess, six months or so. And that is lots of licensed games uh, and changes to licensed content coming around the, the bend for video games. Uh, one of the first event, um, announcements this week was uh, from Bethesda and that they're working with Lucasfilms games, which by the way, is the new overall banner in which uh, like star Wars and other Lucasfilms content is going to live under for, for video game content. Um, they are working with Lucasfilms games uh, to develop an Indiana Jones game. It is not yet titled. There is no gameplay revealed, but they've just announced that, hey, we're working on it. Uh, Todd Howard, the famous Todd Howard from Bethesda, is going to be producing it, and it's going to be an original Indiana Jones story. So that is extremely cool. Yeah, um, and uh, the people developing it are the team that did the Wolfenstein games, which are games famous for killing Nazis. And what does Indiana Jones like to do? punch nazis so it's a pretty exactly. good fit pretty pretty good fit 100 percent. so and that's uh, uh machine games i believe is the developer yes, behind yes that is correct uh obviously big questions come up as to whether or not that would be an xbox exclusive because bethesda um i don't know that's hard to say no idea uh, the, the uh, agreement between Xbox and Bethesda is actually still being finalized, by the way, for those who don't know. Um, that's probably going to happen in about April. Uh, somebody did curiously point out that uh, Xbox was jumping on the bandwagon of uh, retweeting it and resharing it and saying how excited they are. And PlayStation pretty much remains silent about the project from a social media perspective. So perhaps yeah. there is some weight to that. But again, we have no way of knowing what the official word is on exclusive. That's just, I feel like with a, with a brand as big as indiana jones i mean maybe it's not that 
big i'd have to look at how much money the last one made but keeping that to one console would be kind of surprising honestly um but you know what if if that's gonna sell them a lot of uh consoles and copies and you know that's that's fine they probably had a smart reason for it my (laughs) my guess and explanation for that I'm going to use or say in the next news item because it comes up in the next news uh, news item there that I'll, I'll just introduce quickly. Uh, and that is speaking of more licensed games, like I was saying, uh, Ubisoft, specific, specifically Ubisoft Massive Studio, is going to be working on an open world Star Wars game. Uh, now you may go, well, hold on. I thought EA was making Star Wars games. The ex- Well, the exclusive ip license for star wars uh has ran out from ea now that does not runs out in i'll just clarify i think it runs out in 2023 but they're not this just indicates that they're not renewing it yes so it indicates that they're not renewing it and that as good thing james pointed that out because i was going to say was um they've made it very clear both ea and uh lucasfilms games slash just star wars in general i guess disney um have made it very clear no ea is still a partner in all of this we're happy with what they've made i mean say what you want about battlefront but look they really turn things around with jedi fallen order uh and also a lot Absolutely. of people say uh, a lot of people say Star Wars Squadrons as well. So they're going to continue making Star Wars content. There's no worries there. It's just that they will no longer be after a little bit of time the exclusive license holders there. So Lucasfilm's games are just going to be experimenting a bit more. That's really great because there were a ton of uh, Star Wars projects that sounded pretty cool that got canceled cuz I guess EA just didn't have the budget or the resources to make them. So if this means uh more star wars games which it does then that's kind of cool um there Mm -hmm. used to be a ton of games there's been a ton of cool cool star wars games so going back to that kind of uh era i guess or a a new age of star wars which people are probably going to get sick of i'll be honest based on the amount of shows they announced and uh the (laughs) amount of games they're probably going to do but you know it'll be cool for a little while i'm sure and again fall in order was great so i guess ea can focus and and respawn can focus on that again uh and not have to worry about making something entirely different um so yeah you'll have you'll have a lot of different uh i think you'll have a lot of variety in terms of the kinds of games you're going to get which is great too and uh what i was saying where my 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 previous explanation for the Indiana Jones thing is going to come up in this question, uh, in, in this uh, news item, I should say, is the big reason that they are no longer going to be doing the exclusive license with EA is because, hey, there's a lot of possibilities with Star Wars, and there's a lot of fantastic developers to help explore those possibilities. So why not experiment with reliable partners, As which also falls into Indiana Jones a bit with uh, which Lucasfilms Games is going to be, uh, you know, handing off to Bethesda in that regard. There is no precedent set for an Indiana Jones game at this scale, I should say, like a triple A unique Indiana James, uh, Indiana Jones, Indiana James, James. Uh, there's no precedent set for a triple A brand new original piece of uh, Indiana Jones video game content. And so if you work with a a partner like, say, Microsoft uh, to on what i imagine maybe could be the game pass platform was a big thing discussed with bethesda games coming to that um and there's enough funds there to even just provide a good safety net 
uh, to make it an Xbox ecosystem exclusive, I say, why not? Like, yeah, I mean, yes, it is Indiana Jones and it's a big IP in general for media. But again, this is this would be, I guess, considered experimental versus, say, a Star Wars video game that has a ton of precedent and history behind it, you know? So I could I could easily see it being an Xbox exclusive. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's likely. I still think that it's possible that just uh, that Bethesda games on a case by case basis will still come out on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's possible. I have nothing to back that up, really. Uh, I think my, I think my reasoning for that was in one of our lost episodes when we covered this. But I'm not going to remember what I said then. Um, but yeah, I think it's still possible. Uh, but I'm not counting on it either. So it could go either way. I think it's likely that it'll probably stay on the Xbox. Um, in which case I won't get to play it. So I'm a little disappointed by that, but uh, it'll be cool to see what they, uh, what they make. I kind of hope it's not first person. I don't think it will be. Cause I mean, you got to see him in his full glory, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you got to see the hat at all times. Yeah. Unless it is first person, but he has the brim pulled down a bit so you can just see it. So you just got this brown bar on the top of the screen. Oh my god! Give me FPS whip gameplay, please. That'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah that'd be so cool. That'd be cool. Um, yeah. So lots planned as far as uh, license IP goes. I mean, in previous episodes, there's also the IO Interactive 007 announcement. There's just lots going on in the world of uh, licensed games, and I think there's a lot of potential and a lot of cool ideas that are coming uh, going to come about from it all. Um, as and again. The next news item, a little more negative, but still in the world of licensed IPs for video games. Uh, James, I'll let you take this one because I think that might hit you a little harder than it does me. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess Uh, (laughs) my my feelings are mixed on this as uh, as we all know, I think. But Hogwarts Legacy uh, has been delayed to 2022. Uh, They just want to take the time to deliver the best experience possible. Uh, which is totally fair. Um, you know, we say it all the time. You need to delay a game, delay it. <clears throat> Cyberpunk. Um, but uh, yeah, so I am not too upset about this because I want this game to be great. Um, and yeah, there's still mixed feelings because of the whole, you know, JK Rowling is a terrible person thing. Um, yeah. But uh, that who shall um, not be named. Hey, that that works in a couple ways, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> sure, John. Sure, I think it works. Okay, yeah, it works. Um, I don't know. There's not really much to say about this. They just uh, they just want to take the time to make a make a good game, and I'm all for that. I think most people are. Uh, I hope most people that are mature, at least, are. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is uh, this is going <laughs> that's to be, pretty much it. Yeah, that's all there is to it. Uh, I guess to round it off is that yeah, this is uh, this is going to be one addition to a list of many delays that are surely going to be announced. This oh year. yeah, oh yeah. You did, like <laughs> so, you probably could have had a drinking game last year of all the movie delays and game game delays. I think that still applies to this year. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Um. So there we go. Hogwarts Legacy delayed to twenty twenty two, and finally. 
to uh, end off the news for this week is uh, the best news in all of 2021 so far. Uh, objectively, <laughs> and I will have no other uh, alternatives to that idea. And that is, for those who remember a while back, back when there was this thing called a Nintendo Direct, um, there was a new Pokemon Snap game announced. That yes. wasn't in a Direct, John. That was in a Pokemon Presents or Pokemon Company Presents. Well, that just goes to show how long it's been since there's been a direct. My memory is fuzzy, James yeah, Robinson. I guess so. It's 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 affecting my uh, my ability to recall things. I mean, either way, thank you for the fact check. Uh, it was not a Nintendo Direct. It was at a Pokemon presentation. But nevertheless, that's not the point. New Pokemon Snap. It looks freaking outstanding. It looks gorgeous. It, it looks gorgeous from the initial reveal uh, trailer, but even we've gotten a little bit more of a trailer for it. And specifically, uh, it, it was a release date trailer that was dropped by the po- uh, the Pokemon company today uh, as ca- part of kind of kicking things off with the 25th anniversary celebrations for Pokemon as a an entity, as a media. Well, the thing franchise. that the thing that really kicked it off was an announcement that Katy Perry is heading a Pokemon music uh, yes. celebration for the year absolutely um, that was a cool video i was not expecting it to turn into announcement that Katy perry was partnering with pokemon but that was a cool video that they did they they need to use some sort of they need to make some sort of marketing material where they say Katy perry uses roar please <laughs> yeah please come on like it's gonna they happen they got um, it. hire me pokemon company uh, <laughs> uh, but either way the point that i i forgot to get to is that the game is releasing on <laughs> April 30th, April 30th of this year. I am so excited. Pokemon Snap is an all-time great comfort relaxation game. It is a fa- it's one of the it's one of if you could maybe argue the best offshoot Pokemon game. Um and I am absolutely thrilled. Uh Pokemon Conquest, but go on. Oh, okay. This is an idea for a new episode. I'm going to write down. Uh <laughs> but either way, New Pokemon Snap. James, do you have any feelings or thoughts on Pokemon Snap? I, um, I didn't play Pokemon Snap. I've never played Pokemon Snap. So well, you're I'm going to this one. Still, I'm going to wait for like reviews and stuff for this one. I'm interested. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I'm not. All right. John's going to force me at gunpoint to play this one. So it may be Pokemon Snap. Um, sorry. <laughs> just to be clear, you were saying an idea would be Pokemon spinoffs right yes yes to be clear i want to write it down now because we're not going to listen back to this (laughs) (laughs) we have no quality control on our content i I sometimes listen but rarely (laughs) we want the most pure organic stats possible we don't want to inflate the listener list exactly Uh exactly our listener (laughs) list of, of one two two i think two two to three um Oh, and three all, now. Oh, and to exciting. all those people we support, we we really appreciate your support. We do, we do. Yes. Um, there's I, I, there's also a little bit more uh, in-game information provided to us. Uh, this is going to, and I think I'm pronouncing it correct. If you're saying it quickly, it sounds like the Lentil region, but I guess maybe it could be pronounced the Lentil region. Uh, L-E-N-T-A-L. Uh, that's where the the story is going to take Shock place. Shock for a protein. <laughs> absolutely um there 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 was a like a kind of i'm i'm guessing a professor for the game has been revealed professor mirror oh i did that's not a tree although the pokemon professors and spinoffs don't follow that so it's okay (laughs) um 
Either way, this game looks could could be one of the most stunning looking games on the Switch based on like the water effects that we saw. Mm. And what better way to showcase that kind of visual fidelity than a game that's about freaking photography? It feels and- <laughs> like we say that every time a new Switch game comes out. So you know they what? The Switch better has, better. yeah, a lot of beautiful looking games. So stop yeah. saying it's not a good console. <laughs> yeah, per, per hypothetical person. Hypothetical who person, that. exactly. <laughs> Ugh, idiot, I hate you so much. Um, I have nothing more to say on the news for today, especially uh, not Pokemon Snap. I'm just super excited. That's coming April 30th. That's fantastic. And that's a great addition to the 2021 lineup that we know about so far. Yeah. And it's good that this actually came up because I think last, uh, last episode when we were talking about all the anniversaries, I don't think we mentioned the biggest one, which is Pokemon's 25th anniversary. Uh, so that's a thing this year as we've made clear. Um, and that's exciting too, because there's probably going to be, uh, more games than just new Pokemon snap. There's probably yeah. going to be a new mainline game or, uh, or remake of some kind, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll have to see what that is. I think they'll probably do a presentation in February cause that's when the actual anniversary is. Uh, but, uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, all I have to say on the news as well. Yeah. And with that said, we're going to get into the conversation of this week. We were kind of struggling, spitballing a little bit at the last second. We came think, up with this uh, like, three hours ago. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Sometimes the most spontaneous yeah, things can can yield the, the coolest conversations, though. Hey, um, I actually wrote notes this time. They're pretty detailed. <laughs> it, well, that's great. You don't have to, but I mean, hey, whatever works. Yeah. Um, the reason uh, what we've wrote written notes for, and I guess specifically a list for, is that we're just going to be talking about our favorite consoles, our personal favorite consoles. Uh, we've limited to five each. Um, again, this is our personal favorites, not objectively best console, not oh my god, uh, the the superior console PC master race bullshit. No, this is just what we have the most fond memories of the little personal things that we like the most about it based on our preferences and taste. And we're just going to spitball back and forth and, and whittle down to the number one spot. I've, I've personally numbered it this time around. I know in a lot of lists, we don't rank per se, but I think for this one, I, I kind of just naturally ranked. I don't know why. Um, I ranked mine because you did. So I have a ranking. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah. if there are no specific order, you can say that. It doesn't I know, but I, I think for something different, I'm just going to say there is an order. But okay. also, it changes constantly. So we're just going to go with that there is an order right now and just have some fun with that for once. Yeah, there, there. so there is an order, and I'm going to start off the top of the order by throwing it to James to talk about his number five spot. Oh, so you're not going to start. I, 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 <laughs> okay. I, st- I initiated you starting, which means right, I started right. you starting. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. Coming in at number five. Maybe this is also why I put it at number five. I didn't even realize. The PlayStation 5. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is very new. Uh, it is current. I haven't had a lot of time with it, but it's. Uh, I like it. I can, I can definitively say I like it more than my only other option for a non-Nintendo console, which was the Xbox. Oh, actually... I had an Xbox One as well, but I like it more than both 360 and the Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, I love the controller, as we've discussed. Uh, it's very comfortable. I thought it would be weird having both um, control sticks on the bottom because I'm not used to that. Uh, but it's not. I'm used to it already. Uh, and the button layout, uh, it's very comfortable. The DualSense features are amazing um, when they're actually implemented, uh, specifically in Astro's Playroom, obviously. Um, incredibly fast load times. Uh, it's given me the chance to play all the PS4 games. Well, not all yet, but catch up on a lot of PS4 games uh, that have been improved with, again, the load times. And um, I don't know if any of the ones I've played have had visual enhancements, but everything I've played has looked great so far. And yeah, it's just, uh, I don't have that much to say about it, but it's uh, just, I've had a lot of fun these past uh two months playing it that's great yeah i've had a blast with my playstation 5 as well uh but i will say just for my list before i get into my number five uh console a personal rule that i i kind of just had to set for myself nobody has to adhere to this this is just our personal lists and james can pick whatever he wants and he obviously selected a current console uh, a current generation console i chose not to include current gen only because if I did that, I would take way too long to come up with a list of five, and I'd be constantly toiling back and forth between what goes in what spot, what belongs in the list, what doesn't. And also, I just want more time with the current generation of consoles to see how special they truly become, what their maximum potential can be. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the uh, – I'm also putting this on here because I think that the potential for it, like the lineup of games going forward is insane. pretty – pretty great yeah and um i just think once i and also once i get like a, a proper 4k tv if if and when i do that like it's gonna not that i ever really care about that but that's that's just gonna make the games look even better uh i didn't have that possibility before it's also my first playstation um so yeah just a lot of different reasons why it's become my favorite one of my one of my favorites um so yeah i uh, i didn't really care that it was brand new uh i probably played this more already than i played my xbox one at least so uh, there's that to mm -hmm. consider as well um so yeah like i again i just gave myself that limitation personal choice i just want to get more time with this current generation but hell i mean I, I, like even though i want to see where the playstation 5 goes before i put it on a list like this uh, I'm gonna. I'm applying the same rule to the Xbox Series X that I have, even though if I was basing it off of my current feelings and my current day-to-day -day life that I actively experience, like the Xbox Series X would be on here probably because it's it's the thing I play the most. It's the most versatile with Game Pass and Quick Resume. But again, just a personal rule I've set for myself. I need more longevity from the console if it's going to be on my all-time favorite list, and. Uh, I have a console on here that is currently relevant, but was sort of a cross-generational release. So there's a little caveat there as well. But nevertheless, my number I five. I wonder what console that is. Yeah, gee, I wonder. Um, either way, starting off at number five for me personally, by the way, we're talking about this could include handhelds as well as standard stationary consoles. And I say that because I'm starting with a handheld, the Nintendo DS. Um the reason I put it at my number five, originally I was I had it a bit higher actually. I was like, I, I had to sit there and sort of parse through all the memories and 
the the role that each of these things had in my life and the ds had a massive role in my life uh even though like pokemon games play a central role in almost every single nintendo console i've owned your, your core experience either starts or ends or is somehow affected by a core pokemon release that is attached to that system and even though uh generation five i believe yeah five uh five, no four sorry four 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 diamond and pearl um diamond and pearl came out on the nintendo ds and that is the even though it's not necessarily my favorite pokemon in history D- pokemon diamond is the most amount of hours i've actually maybe put into a single video game period. oh really and that partially has to wow. do with a i think pokemon diamond's a fantastic game and b the nintendo ds form factor the comfort of it the coziness of it and the portability but then you combine that with also the circumstances of my life i was a uh, young kid to like kind of preteen age uh or with my who missed out on the original ds when it came out so i waited just a little bit i think like a year or two before the nintendo the white ds light came out uh that was my first nintendo ds played the ever living fuck out of that thing especially pokemon diamond and countless other games um and it became a huge part of my life like traveling around to whatever maybe to see different relatives to go to uh man back then we were like able to fly to see other relatives in other countries so i bring it on travel like any vacation it was my companion uh and i guess my family it was around that time when i was a uh around that time when my family was going on trips a lot we were able to have sort of family vacations and everything so it became that sort of companion for those trips and i mean Hell, not just the games that came out for the DS, but also the Nintendo DS was able uh, able to play uh, Game Boy Advance games. And there's a lot of classic titles on that thing that I played the Everliding shit out of as well. So I replayed the DS Lite had uh, had Game Boy Advance. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Played uh, Pokemon Fire Red and Leaf Green with it. Mm, I played through. uh, Yeah. Bunch of stuff. So, man. And then also. Uh, I, I originally wrote spoiler alert. I have another handheld on this list. Um, and when I was writing notes for it, I was like, Oh, one great thing about this handheld was how ubiquitous it seemed to be. Like everyone kind of had one. And I was like, no, wait a second. That was the Nintendo DS. The Nintendo uh-huh. DS based on the sales numbers, based on the, the phenomenon that it was, that was truly like the ubiquitous nintendo thing in its time and it felt like a special time to be a games fan when so many other people were you know continuing on that journey with games and and being able to play multiplayer with that way or some people were introduced to video games through the nintendo ds and that sort of brand change that nintendo had with different uh relatable games of like you know brain age and nintendogs and that sort of thing so i think it was a really special time for nintendo and games as a whole and it was a really special time in my personal gaming history so that's my number five Cool. I will say you brought up Pokemon on the DS. Uh, that is probably, I don't have the DS on my list, um, but Pokemon on the DS is probably the best it's been. I think it's got my favorite Pokemon games on it. Like my favorite Pokemon game is um, Heart Gold, the mm-hmm. Gen 2 remakes. <clears throat> so that was great. Uh, Diamond and Pearl were a good generation. Black and White were a great generation. Um, so you had, you had three, three separate uh, generations, 
and a bunch of spinoffs. I think the only spinoff I played again was uh, Pokemon Conquest, but that game was really, really good too. Um, so yeah, like that, that was a great console for sure. Um, so my number four, my number four, mm-hmm. uh, is probably surprising to, to some people because it was a failure of a console when you really boil it down. Um, but the Wii U, I like the Wii U. So I'm sorry. I'm Don't sorry to anyone who's I'm sorry who, if, if anyone's offended by that, uh, which they Don't should apologize. Um, this was uh, the first console that I ever bought with my own money. So that's, you know, that's kind of special as well. Uh, but also just helped me make a lot of friends in university uh, through Smash Wii U. Two in particular I can think of. Love Smash and uh, Alex and Brad, if you're listening. Uh, that would be you guys. Um, and uh, I don't know, I'm losing my train of thought. I have notes, though, so I don't know why I'm not just reading those off straight. I'll start doing that now. Go for it. The two-screen concept. It was underutilized, uh, but the uses that I found for it in the games that I played, I felt enhanced the games greatly. Like the Twilight Princess and Wind Waker HD uh, remakes, having the map constantly available without having to pause or having your items constantly available without having to pause just made the games flow so much better. Um and it just it yeah it meant that you were playing the game for longer so that was uh that was a lot of fun that you were able to to just keep playing and not have to stop all the time um i just had another thought that i can't oh it's nintendo's first hd console that's another thing mm-hmm. uh, so their game started looking amazing and like even now, some Wii U games like you—you you do get the uh, the ports from the Wii U to the Switch, uh, and yes, the Switch does look a little better. But even now, like Mario Kart Eight, still looked incredible on the Wii U, and it still looks incredible on the Switch. Like there wasn't that much of a difference upgrading it to that. Um, but yeah, I like—I don't know, man. I just—I just like this console a lot. Like there's so many good games. Like there's a reason people keep asking for Switch uh, for. Uh, switch ports of wii u games because there were so many good ones on that console i think we have most of them now um probably missing uh a few that i didn't play but you know i think a there very, were the, there's one the very ones... important one uh xenoblade, uh, xenoblade yeah Chronicles, yeah but, uh... i didn't play that one but yeah like they uh they got most of them on the switch now um but that era of of nintendo that's i guess it was only five years um there was a good time like they had they did have a lot of good games uh i don't oh yeah yeah a lot, no, of, I, a lot yeah. of fun with that console and i i don't know it's it's just it's just some good times yeah i mean aside from the market reasons like <clears throat> aside from yes the sales potential well like 
there's a reason that Wii U ports have come to the Switch. And the reason there is sales potential is because they are great games. And even though they're probably a little better on the Switch because of the capabilities, they were great on the Wii U as well. I mean, uh, like I just mentioned, even though it hasn't been ported yet, Xenoblade Chronicles X is is an incredible open world experience. Uh, one of the better ones of its generation, I think, that a lot of people just... Uh, won't get to experience unless they port it which would be amazing but that hey that was on the wii u the wii u was capable of running it and it was great with pretty much you know no hiccups or anything like that um yeah like i would say based on the things i said about wind waker and twilight princess yes i want them on the switch but they're they probably play better on the wii u simply because of the fact that you have the map open all the time granted there's not as much item switching and looking at the map as there is in, say, the original Link's Awakening or Ocarina of Time with the Water Temple and the Iron Boots and stuff. But even still, uh, having the option to change those items on the fly and mm-hmm. just be able to look down for a second to get your bearings was was a great quality of life improvement. And... Uh, the last thing I'll say about it was that this was kind of like it was basically a proof of concept for the Switch. Um, I played Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze on the gamepad a lot, uh, and it worked great. So yeah, that was my first kind of you know handheld console hybrid experience. For which sure, we will both get back to because. Surprise, surprise on what our number one is. <laughs> exactly. Uh, last thing I want to say about the Wii U 2 is uh, I hope no one ever forgets that uh, the form factor of the Wii U and it's like sort of the dual screen capabilities uh, greatly informed the way in which we would play what is now uh, one of the key franchises in Nintendo's catalog uh, that started on the Wii U and that's Splatoon. Like Splatoon true. got it start, started on the Wii U era. That is true. And it's a key franchise for them that I adore. Like, Yeah, me too. That's that's a good point. I didn't even think to bring that up. But yeah, that was a great game on the on the Wii U. And yeah, like I know people don't really like the gamepad that much, but I never had a problem with it. Like I thought it was very comfortable to hold and I liked I still liked playing games with it. That was never an issue for me. Yeah, I like playing games on the Wii U. I think the Wii U is still a great console, and I think that's a great selection for your number four, James. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Yeah, I, I, you can tell <laughs> I felt a little bit of shame talking about it, but sorry. No, I just I just couldn't think of what to say exactly. Couldn't find the words, but yeah, that's a, that's a good one. All right, so for my number four, I'm still sticking to handhelds here, and I also listed... A specific skew of this, though I guess it's not really relevant necessarily in the grander scheme of history, but I just wrote it because it's the one that I was introduced to in that generation, and that is the Game Boy Advance SP. The one both of us were introduced to. Yeah, so I, I was around friends who had the Game Boy Advance when it came out originally, and I was jealous, and I was like, okay, when am I gonna get this? And the next thing you know, the SP comes out, and it's like, oh my god, the flip up screen. The backlit screen, which is a game changer for a kid who like to play at nighttime or like on evening drives and stuff like that. Like this, this thing was everything I said about the Nintendo DS being a key travel companion. The the Game Boy Advance SP for me was that times two. Like it back, it was back when my family still had like a cottage 
Uh, and that, 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 that like two and a half to three hour drive back and forth would just be me sitting there chugging away at, I guess, likely, uh, third generation Pokemon, which kind of goes back and forth with others as being my favorite generation of Pokemon, uh, specifically Pokemon Emeralds being my favorite, though I did start off with Sapphire. Those games, each of them, I have hundreds of hours poured into so much love for the third generation of Pokemon. I know it's a joke a lot. The too much water thing. But genuinely, (laughs) that does hold me back from liking that generation as much. Genuinely, it does. That's fair. That is fair, actually. And I, I, aside from the meme that I don't even think is very funny anymore. um, No, it's not funny at all. It is a valid criticism, actually. It is is a valid criticism. It's not a valid Um, criticism for the remake at all, because you knew mm -hmm. that going in. And of course, it was going to be the same. But it's a valid criticism for the originals. Yeah. Um, so I personally had the blue, some people see it as purple, but I think it's advertised as blue, uh, at Game Boy Advance SP and man, the, the other reason it's moved up on this list is another consideration I had when listing things was, okay, would I list the Game Boy Color or would I list the Game Boy Advance SP? Cause I played that a lot. And also it could play Game Boy Color games. You know what I mean? So that, and I end up going with that rule because when I really thought about it, Originally, the Game Boy Advance wasn't on my list. And I was like, I had the Game Boy Color instead because that's where it all started for me with uh, Pokemon Yellow and other titles. And then I was like, wait a second. Now that I think about it, yes, I had the Game Boy Color and I played a lot on it. But m- the time that I had my Game Boy Color until the Game Boy Advance SP came out was actually pretty small. So I ended up trans- <clears throat> transitioning. Sorry, I'm hiccuping here. I, um. I ended up transitioning over to the Game Boy Advance quite quickly. And then at that point, I was just either continuing or replaying Game Boy Color games on the SP on top of the incredible catalog of advanced games that uh, came out for the system. So uh, and because of that combination of just incredible library that you could play, I that 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 little handheld device, the Game Boy Advance SP is honestly not my introduction to gaming as a whole, but it's my introduction to gaming being a part of my daily lifestyle, like a, mm-hmm. of my, a core essence. Where of you my, were birthed as a gamer. As a gamer. Like that's where the Mountain Dew entered my blood veins. That's my. Um, that's where I started I, spitting out Dorito dust. 100%. Don't know why I said blood veins either. I meant to say bloodstream, but we'll move on from that. Um, <laughs> and. I was thinking about like all the Game Boy Color games that I was able to play on. And then I was like, actually, wait a second. Let me just refresh refresh myself and look up the Game Boy Advance lineup. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Sunk probably thousands of hours between games like, like I was saying, Pokemon Sapphire and Emerald, Advanced Wars, the what is to me objectively the most underrated Zelda game of all time, the Minish Cap, Metroid Fusion and Zero Mission. Uh, I was introduced to Zelda Link to the Past on the Game Boy Advance version of the game. Uh, even though I never finished this game because it was hard, I was introduced to Final Fantasy Tactics with Final Fantasy Tactics Advance that came out on there. And there's I guarantee there's so many more that I'm forgetting to mention as well. Like those are heavy, heavy heavy hitters in the nintendo pantheon and it all just came for me on this little blue like three by three inch or two and a half by two and a half inch whatever flippable square device and how fucking awesome is that so 
man, it absolutely takes a takes a spot on this list, and that's my number four spot specifically, the Game Boy Advance SP. Yeah, great console. Love that one. Uh, yeah, a lot of memories with that one too. I did not put it on my list, um, but you know what? If I felt differently on a different day, it totally could be on there because that's how this works. Because <laughs> <laughs> we change as people. Exactly. Opinions change. And in that sense, I guess they're not like assholes. Uh, well, we could debate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. All right. Moving on. <laughs> oh, um, my, uh, my third is also a handheld. Uh, last handheld on my list. Uh, Nintendo 3DS. So uh, this wasn't a console that I originally wanted. Um, I just thought it was uh, just an updated DS. Like this was kind of before I was like invested in in gaming news and and like paying attention to every day. Um, so I didn't really know what it was. Uh, but my dad ended up getting it for me for my birthday, and I'm very happy he did because it's uh, pretty much became one of my favorite handhelds if not my favorite handheld. Um, yeah, just so many so many fun games on it, and I spent so much time with all of them. And I think this was probably around the time where I actually started consistently beating games that I got, finishing games. Because like a lot of the time before this, I didn't really do that all the time. Uh, I wasn't that great at them sometimes, or I didn't spend the time to to finish them or I move on to something else really quickly. Uh, it was rare that I actually fully beat a game uh, at that point. But like when I got the DS or the 3DS, that's when that started happening more often, I think. Um, so I didn't use the 3D function a lot, uh, but under certain circumstances when I did use it, it was pretty cool uh, because like, for example, it made platforming in super mario 3d land uh have a lot more depth so that you could see where you're going to land a lot easier and uh, there were certain like puzzle rooms where you had to like the way you were looking at it without the 3d you couldn't tell where the platforms actually were uh but then if you turn the 3d on you could you could tell by the depth of it where you had to jump because it would like limit the angle that you were looking at. Um, yeah, but like back to the to the games, uh, I experienced Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask in full for the first time on this console. Uh, so those are well, Ocarina of Time is argued as one of the best games of all time, and I think that this port of it. I think most people would, I'm not sure if most people would agree or not, but I think it would be the definitive way to play it because it has a lot of quality of life improvements. Oh yeah. Um, but it doesn't fundamentally change anything about the main game. Uh, I think Majora's Mask might be a little different because they added a better bomber's notebook. And I think some people like how cryptic and difficult the original N64 release is. But anyway, that's, that's not the point we need to make here. Um, 
yeah, so at those games, uh, this was a big console for Pokemon because it was the first time in a mainline game that they uh, used 3D models, uh, which was like insanely exciting. Like I remember when that got announced and I was shocked that it was happening. So I felt like it was happening so soon after the most recent generation because it had only been three years. But I mean, as we know now, that's, it's not that long. Like that's kind of what they're doing now. Uh, anyway, mm -hmm. but like it, it just, it felt like I hadn't been playing gen five for that long. Um, and then here they are announcing a new generation with fully 3D models. And just the prospect of it was so exciting. Um, even though fundamentally it didn't change that much, uh, it was just cool to have that that new look. Um, and one more game I played a lot of uh, was uh, Tales of the Abyss. Um, I think I played through this game like three different times. And that's a... I think at least a 30 hour game. That's pretty noteworthy for you. Cause you also don't do many JRPGs. That's I like... don't, but the tales series is usually an exception for me. So when I heard mm -hmm. that there was a tales game on the 3ds, uh, that was so exciting, especially after like, I love tales of symphonia on the GameCube. I love tales of Vesperia, but I wasn't able to play any other ones because they were all on the PlayStation mm -hmm. or localized to Japan only. So, uh, yeah, getting to play a third one. And I think most people that are fans of that series say that the three that I've played are the best ones. And, I mean, I would agree with that because, you know, I love them all and I think they're all great. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, like I played Tales of the Abyss, I think, at least three times. And I'm just looking up uh, how long it is. Because I'm curious now. Uh, so on howlongtobeat.com, main story on average is 49 hours. So I put 150 hours into this game. <laughs> wow. Which is oh my God. insane for, for a 3DS game. For any game, really, for me. I think even now on my, uh, on my Switch the game I played the most is breath of the wild and that's 105 hours. Mm. So yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty intense, but yeah, like this was, uh, you mentioned your, was it your game boy or your DS was your handheld like traveling buddy or both of them, I guess. Both of, both of them were. Yeah. So yeah, this, uh, this, my DS was like, I traveled a lot more last decade than I did in the previous one. So I always brought my DS or my 3DS. So I was playing that a lot on the plane. Like it helped a lot during those long plane rides to, uh, to Australia and to Japan, which were basically the only two places I went to. Um, <laughs> not that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying I didn't. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Like those are great places to go. But yeah, uh, so that was a good companion for those long trips. And I think it was, the biggest library of games I had for a while. Um, I did have a lot of Xbox 360 games, but I don't think I played all of them. And I'm not counting the GameCube because that was split between my brothers as well. So 
Okay. The 3DS, yeah, was probably the one I had a lot. Um, I did sell my 3DS recently. I just wasn't going to play it anymore, but I'll always have those memories, you know. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Also, the backwards compatibility on the DS, that was uh, a good feature as well. Oh yeah, crucial. I mean, absolutely that, to be able to have that library. So, again, same reasoning I had with like the the Game Boy Advance SP and the, uh, yeah, the Game Boy Advance SP with like the Game Boy Color and stuff like that. Um, hundred yeah. percent a huge factor. Um, so I guess that means that's my number three now. Uh, first non Nintendo entry, um, for me, and I think it was a. I knew automatically for whatever reason, it's not my number one. But for some reason, when I'm making a top five games game console list, it was the first one I thought of. And I think because it's like I, I always know no matter what, it will be somewhere in the top five. Um, and that is the Xbox 360. The Xbox 360 for e- even if you're not an Xbox fan, you probably know if you follow the news that at least uh, uh, maybe except for this current generation, we have to see how it goes. And it's going great so far, but we have to see. Xbox 360 so far represents the peak of Microsoft in the games industry, right? So it not only is it the highest selling Xbox, but it had the best library, like the best user interface, the best controller. Honestly, the Xbox 360 controller, in my opinion, was the best controller of all time until the current gen slash Xbox One uh, controller form factor came around, in my opinion. Uh, so the overall the experience was absolutely fantastic the only downside really in that generation for xbox was just the red ring of death issue that i actually did encounter once but nevertheless what with my last console or my, my last entry on this list being the game boy advance sp a key thing that i said for that was that it was my introduction to games as a staple in my lifestyle and the xbox 360 holds a special place in my heart because it's that same kind of idea, but it was the introduction to games as a social device uh, being a staple in my lifestyle. So like when I when this thing came out every day, man, every day, online, it's every day, bro, it's every day, bro. Um, every single day, basically online matchmaking with friends from school from other schools even a full full party chat going on with getting into the lobbies of halo 3 getting into the lobbies of modern warfare 1 2 and 3 uh getting into the lobbies of gears of war 1 2 and uh, gears of war 1 2 and 3 like just so many fantastic uh multiplayer options as far as online gaming goes and and obviously starting with the original Xbox, but majorly improved in the Xbox 360 area was just that online infrastructure that was basically unbeatable at the time uh, for Xbox Live. And it was an incredible experience that I'll always have cherished memories of. Um, It was the first time that I met, uh, who is now one of my best friends today, I I met him and played games with him when he went to a different elementary school entirely. And he just was a friend of my friend, but we bonded through Halo 3 Forge and custom games and uh, online matchmaking. And now we're like, I'm, he's one of my best friends today. We have fond memories of that and continue to play like Master Chief Collection because of those memories and, and fond moments we have together. And the three, the Xbox 360 was sort of the glue for the glue that keeps a lot of my current taste 
today together, like with Halo and and other online shooters. And on top of that, it also had some great local multiplayer options. Uh, yes, haha, mainly Guitar Hero 3 was my uh, primary uh, <laughs> 360 was my primary platform of choice for that game. Guitar Hero and slash Rock Band, those those games are all everybody knows that those are incredible party games for great local multiplayer. Uh, and that was connected to the 360 era for me. And uh, oh, that's what I was going to say. I had to look at my notes for a second. There is also another fond memory I have, which is this console was my first one where I have kind of consistent and multiple memories of gaming with my brother and his friends, which is notable. Not like in any sad way. It's just that my brother was is nowhere near of a games fan. He's not a gamer at all, really, like a little bit, very, very casual. But um, he's much less of a games fan than I am, especially growing up. So to have games that could pull him in and his friends in, it was kind of cool to sit down and play with uh, that different group of people as well. So that's why it sticks out to me, too. Um, and it was also the first time I encountered an indie game, I think which is a noteworthy thing in my game's history. Now that I think about it, um, the, the Xbox arcade was kind of like the digital, uh, marketplace on the Xbox 360 that showcased smaller games and indie titles and stuff like that. Uh, or, or just smaller games in general, even if they were from a AAA studio, I, I think I can't remember. I'd have to refresh my memory, but, uh, there is a game on there that no one, it feels like no one's heard of, and there's a new iteration of it that exists on mobile and other stuff now. But I, I I tried looking this up on the Xbox, the current Microsoft store for Xbox Series X, and it's gone. And I'm devastated. A game called Marble Blast Ultra. Marble Blast Ultra. I, was, I, I don't know how I discovered it. I think it was my brother and his friend who discovered it. It's so simple. You play in the third person as a marble rolling through different physics driven obstacle courses trying to get the fastest time possible collect platforming based uh collectibles that are in the air with where you have to like hit a ramp at a certain angle to launch yourself in order to collect it it god the gameplay loop of that was so disgustingly addictive so was it like monkey ball but without the monkeys i guess so i never really played monkey ball so i can't i can't know for sure i guess so though um, okay. but it was, it just, the physics felt so good. The controls were so easy to grasp hitting replay on a level again to try and beat your previous time or your friend's best time on a level was so addictive beyond belief. And when I think about it, I was like, yeah, that's my first experience discovering an indie gem that other people don't know about. And it all came through the Xbox 360 platform. And for all those reasons and many more, it is my number three uh, favorite console of all time. And again, no matter the position, it might not be, it probably will never be number one, but it will always have a place in my top five, no matter what. Uh, you know, I've got an Xbox 360 in my room right now, actually. Uh, nice. Okay. I, uh, I'm never going to touch it, but my dad bought one when, uh, uh, when he was living in Toronto before he moved to Japan. Um, quick note my dad moved to japan for five years um in 2013 so uh yeah after my uh my parents split up he moved to toronto uh had an apartment so i was coming to visit every couple weeks um and he bought an xbox because he wanted me to be able to play it there 
Um, okay. I never touched this one though. I don't think because when I went, like, I didn't want to. I wanted to spend time with my dad. I didn't want to play Xbox. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at it right now. And I also, when I moved in here, uh, I noticed that the controllers are yellowed. Oh wow! Uh, they haven't <laughs> been touched in. I have probably 10 years. Uh, and the only games there are Connect uh, Adventure, Connect uh, Sports, and Portal 2. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's that's great, though. Portal we, 2. Uh, yeah. Right. Like oh, we, my God, the orange box. I forgot to mention the orange box. Do you know oh, what the yeah. orange box is? Yeah. Half-Life. Yeah. And Half-Life Team, Fort- Team Fortress as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so i played that on 360 as well <clears throat> uh but yeah uh we i think we got him portal 2 or we told him to buy it to play himself because he likes uh he likes puzzles and stuff and we thought he might enjoy it but i don't think he ever did well, anyway anyway <laughs> uh on to number two yeah i'm gonna make this one quick because i think it's uh i think everyone could guess who listens to this and I've talked about it a lot in the past anyway, but mm-hmm. uh, the GameCube is my number two, um, which I mean, yes, it's nostalgia, but this whole list is pretty much nostalgia. So who cares? Um, so this is my first proper console. Uh, and again, we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, 007 games with my brothers. So that was some great memories there. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned it as much, but, uh, like my friends across the street, we would always play uh, Melee, Double Dash, uh, Soul Calibur Two, oh, any Calibur. other any other multiplayer games uh, that we that we had, and we do this even after the Wii came out. So I think we all maybe enjoyed this console just a little more. We definitely enjoyed Double Dash more than Mario Kart Wii. Oh um, yeah, hundred percent. It's the best Mario Kart ever. Don't at me. I I've actually now think Mario Kart Eight is the best. But double car, or double dash is a close second, Pro- probably. To me. But to me, it, yeah. it's there's. Have you, I don't know if you've seen the conversation on Twitter. There's a lot of different opinions. Like a lot of people have different games as their number ones. Oh yeah, and there's like no agreement of what the. Well, I think people say Super Circuit is the worst one, which is the uh, the Game Boy one. But I never, I never played it. I didn't either. But anyway, uh, yeah. So like we play those games a lot. Um, and again, even after the Wii came out, uh, this console is also responsible for my love of Sonic because pretty much all the Sonic games I played and loved released on the GameCube. So we had Sonic Adventure 2. Um, I did play Sonic Adventure uh, DX, which was the remake of the um, the original Sonic Adventure. I never beat it, though, because I rented it from Blockbuster. And I think I hit a wall somewhere and I just couldn't find out where to go so i gave up which as i alluded to i did a lot <laughs> um mm. but uh, yeah shadow the hedgehog was on this great game don't care what anyone says uh oh, sonic heroes uh i think that was pretty much it for the sonic games but either way like i i constantly replayed these games and then uh the wii kind of uh kind of destroyed that love a little bit made me trust a little less that sonic would be good so there weren't as many good sonic games on the wii yeah that's rough 
Unleashed was okay, but then the the Werehog stuff was sucked. Um, <laughs> and uh, Secret Rings sucked. Uh, Black Knight sucked. I think I've said before, but Secret yeah. Rings was my first Sonic game. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it had the Game Boy Player. Um, that was kind of a neat thing. You could play Game Boy games on the TV. Mm-hmm. Um, Tales of Symphonia, as I mentioned, that's again one of my favorite uh, RPGs. And I think, I think the first and only game I've played that has been split onto two discs. Okay, I don't yeah. think I've played any other game that does that. Interesting. So that's, uh, that's a unique thing about this one. And finally, I love the controller. It's still one of my favorites. I find it super comfortable. Uh, mm-hmm. I like the the design philosophy of like A is the most important button, so it's got to be the biggest button. I think <laughs> yeah. that's kind of funny, but you know what? It works. It, it works does. really well. It's just a super comfortable layout, um, and it's still my my preferred way to play Smash. Uh, I st- I feel weird playing it on the Switch uh, Joy Cons on the Joy Con grip. Mm. Um. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much all I have to say about the GameCube. But I will always love that console. It's great, great fun. Oh, great memory. Yeah. So will I. I mean, the GameCube is absolutely vital in my gaming history. And I mean, honestly, I say that the 360 was my main entry into daily social gaming with friends but gamecube is right up there too as being the, the first to do it. i guess i guess 360 i just did it more frequently um and the gamecube was almost it's funny it, it, not only is it not on this list it was specifically almost my number two but the reason it's not on my list is not because i don't love the gamecube holy shit i love the gamecube it is one of my favorite consoles of all time but in order to organize my thoughts i i, I guess I guess the GameCube, just in spirit, okay, in, in practice of what I'm going to say, it's not on this list. In spirit and like actuality of my feelings, just throw in the GameCube as tied with this console for number two. Just just so all the viewers know my feelings. I want to make that clear. But uh, my number they're two... listeners, John, they're not watching anything. Did I... What? I said, viewers. Ah, viewers, my bad. <laughs> Who maybe will do video podcast. Uh, I mean, one day, yeah, maybe. I mean, um, maybe. We'll see. Either way, the number two is the Nintendo Wii. Uh, so the, there's a lot of reasons why the Wii stands at number two for me. Uh, as far as the GameCube relation goes, again, I just went to organize my thoughts. I went with that rule of you could play GameCube games on the Wii, and I did play quite a few GameCube games on the Wii. So I, I'm just going to let it supersede the GameCube in that way for the purposes of conversation. But I want to make it very clear that in spirit, I actually love these ga- these consoles both just as much for pretty for very different reasons, actually. Uh, so for I guess for like consistent quality game experiences across its entire life cycle, the GameCube is better. But the reason I have the Wii officially in this entry is because it, it signaled a maturing point in my life as a video game fan where I truly took in everything the industry had to offer as much as you can as a consumer so reading the news going through the rumor cycles speculating about what's to come on a video game console the true 
internet-esque hype cycle of a video game console going home and getting new issues of nintendo power to um i i wrote something down here what is it um oh what did i have here i something that was really exciting to me um yeah, I read Nintendo Power to learn about the mysterious futuristic rectangular prism codenamed the Nintendo Revolution. Like there's that sort of air of mystery and like, oh my God, what's it going to be? When's it going to be revealed? Uh, the Nintendo Wii, which it ended up actually being called, obviously, was the first time that that kind of part- I, that I had that kind of participation in gaming and it's something special and it's something really cool to me uh I've also talked about this memory before on the podcast in, in our best gaming memories episode uh but I was spoiled rotten as a kid with the Nintendo Wii because when it came out my mom was like my mom tricked me she said okay John you know for Christmas I tried to get the Nintendo Wii for all of us for the family I just couldn't do it because it's so sought after it's so in demand you know they sold out so I'm sorry but we'll get it as soon as I can and of course I was actually very understanding you know I was like okay mom thanks for trying John's a good guy I don't know if you guys are aware of that pretty pretty solid dude you know lo and behold Christmas morning unwrapped she didn't even wrap it she's like fuck that he's just he's gonna freak out so just Uh, in front of all the wrapped gifts she plants because i i have to come down the staircase and slowly reveal the living room where the tree was and upon that trap that little journey down the staircase slowly to see what was before me with the with the lit up christmas tree uh in front of all the wrapped presents was the Wii, the freaking the, the minimal white bold font Wii right there in all its glory me mainly me but also my brother the whole whole family freaking out over the occasion and what it means and and having that first incredible feeling of like all right let's break it downstairs slow unboxing smell everything feel the new this new tech in your hands which was also noteworthy because of the motion controls this was the first time since yes you could say they did this with the ds but to me Nintendo's reputation as the company to do things first and just say fuck it and experiment at the hardware level. Yes, it did start with the DS, I I guess, but to me, excuse me, to me it really started and cemented that reputation with the Wii and the motion controls. Um and along with like what I was saying with the DS where they introduced a new brand of games and therefore brought in a new brand of gaming fans into the fold with things like Brain Age and Nintendogs on the DS. They brought in with like Wii Sports and just more accessible games about accessible topics and, and ideas that could bring anybody into the fold because guess what? Yeah, you're using controllers and some button mashing, but to the for the most part, it's it's all about timing and your own movement and reaction and your you're just your physical body moving things around. And so yes, I have the hardcore memories as a Mario fan by putting on Mario freaking galaxy for the first time and being enthralled by Mario in deep space in what is still one of the most stunning games to be ever made in my opinion. But on the other hand, I also discovered that Christmas morning, my now 96 year old grand aunt is fucking amazing at cow tossing and Rayman raving rabbits, <laughs> you know, like it was just incredible. Like to throw on this, throw on the strap of this Wiimote nunchuck setup that seems weird at first onto my elderly grand aunt who just 
started waving the thing like a lasso over her head and got the absolute perfect score you can get in a Rayman uh, minigame. I, I was just mind blown on all facets, po- in, in all areas possible. And from there on out, yes, the Wii, you, you can say... You could say all you want about the Wii in terms of its overall history and how things really died down for the Wii with with the core gaming audience, 100%. But when the Wii was at its peak, man, it was at a fucking hell of a peak. Like, there were some fantastic experiences that came out in the Wii that changed the way Nintendo made games and approached games as a whole. And even though, yes, there's some low low lights for the games, the highlights to me far outweigh them, both from the personal anecdotes and memories to the actual games themselves and the conversations around the games that will cement themselves in history. So 100%, this wasn't that that hard of a choice. Yes, I know I talked about the toss-up between this and the GameCube, but overall, having the Wii on my top five, not even a hard choice whatsoever. Yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, I love the Wii as well. And I see, I don't know if you, I don't think you mentioned it, but you, you, in the end of your little paragraph here, you have something about the, uh, the ambient soundscapes on the menus. And I feel like that's something missing. Yes. That's something missing from a lot of consoles now. Because like, I I can still imagine the sound of the Wii menu right now. And it's just so nice. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's incredible. Like the PlayStation Five kind of has that. They do have a, a bit of a soundscape, and but you also get the uh, the menu noises or the game soundtracks when you go over the specific icons. So that's something, I guess. But the Switch doesn't have that, which is a little disappointing. L- last thing I'll say, just since you brought that up, thank you for bringing that up. Because the last thing I'll say that I could be super long winded about, I won't be though. Maybe I'll bring it up in a future episode or something. I feel like menu music is just a symptom of a greater not not issue not issue a greater change in the games industry that if 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 you had to point at one little thing good that came out of console wars and that mentality if you had to look at one thing good that comes out of console wars is that in an effort to distinguish themselves from one another, everything had to separate itself from the other guy, down to the little details, including your exclusive color scheme and branding that way. Your, your, your overall aesthetics, I should say. The, the aesthetics were more than ever, in my opinion, in, in that 360 PS3 uh, Wii era from the from the advertising to just everything aesthetics were more pushed and distinct than ever and that obviously once you just trickle down further and further gets into menu music in my opinion it it all plays a part in that idea and i think now that obviously the industry is better off for it with much healthier competition and healthier mindsets behind competition i think people care less about it so it just doesn't get made it doesn't get focused on but man menu music and just a a tighter focus and attention to detail care on aesthetics is something i do miss quite a lot and romanticize very heavily in my mind about uh the user experience on a given console and the wii was the last time that i think we truly had that distinct vibe i'll say you know yeah uh yeah i can agree with that for sure um speaking of aesthetics like uh, one thing i do like about this current this the last generation and the current one is that how like cleanly 
each console is split up in terms of color. Like you've got the green with the Xbox, Mm -hmm. blue with PlayStation, and red with our number one, both of us, Mm -hmm. which is the Switch. So I don't think we really need to go on too much about the Switch. And we're not going to take this in turns, obviously, because we have the same number one. But uh, if you'd like to kick us off about what makes the Switch so great, why don't you go ahead? Well, I mean, for me, it's the easiest way to showcase why it's my number one right now is an idea that I've reiterated multiple times in multiple episodes whenever the Switch comes up. And that is the era of the Switch in and of itself down to the console and and the games that are on the console, like the games that are available on the console to even the games even the content within certain games that are made exclusive to the switch this era just seems to be about celebration of nintendo and everything that makes nintendo great from an ip standpoint so you have the best of the best so far i mean who's to say about some other uh, titles but i mean like you have an unbelievable Mario game, one of the best of all time in Mario Odyssey. You have arguably the greatest Zelda game made of all time uh, that still paid homage and love to the, the games in that series that came before. You have just Smash Brothers Ultimate is the number one example of paying homage and, and lo- so much love to the history that came before it to make this incredible game what it is today. And then Nintendo Switch is that as well, because guess what? It's combining a standard console of Nintendo greatness with a handheld of Nintendo greatness. It, everything you look at with the Nintendo Switch speaks of love to its history and everything that came before it. And it's all for the better in the user experience of the console itself and the games that come out for it, I think, or at least like the major heavy hitter, heavy triple uh, A first party hitters, I should say. Um, and then you get into the fact that oh hey you missed out on a lot of great games on the last generation that sold terribly don't worry we'll put them on we'll put them on this console as well maybe hd'd up even more and all that and then just there's more third party support there's indies have arguably no better home on any console than they do with the nintendo switch both from a sales perspective and just how you interact with them like what it's a, yeah it's that's, that's probably my like I agree with everything you've said so far, obviously, but the point on indies is probably my the thing I love the most about the Switch because it's opened my eyes to this whole other set of of games, like this whole other, which probably makes up most of the games that are on the market because not everything's a AAA game, obviously. Maybe not most of them. It makes up a, a large chunk of the games on the market, which is the indie games. And I've never... Like I look at the eShop for deals almost on a daily basis. And I'd never done that before this, um, before this console. It's like, I've played so many games I wouldn't have normally played or I wouldn't have played in the past. Like the Switch has made me want to broaden my horizons and and play other stuff. And I I like playing, I always sometimes, I sometimes feel weird about playing like like a 2D game on a big console. Like I, to me, if you're playing a 2D platformer, I just, I just feel like it has to be on a handheld, mm-hmm. which is kind of dumb, but that's just, you know, how that's I feel, but perfect. I can do that on the switch. So I can have, I can jump between a 2D game like, uh, like hollow Knight or, uh, I don't know why I can't think of another 2D game. 
why am I blanking on guacamole, uh, for example? Celeste. I can jump between that, Celeste. Yeah, of course. Uh, I can jump between any of those games to like uh, Mario Odyssey, Breath of the Wild, um, Splatoon, Mario Kart, like anything like that. And it's so easy. And um, like the same thing with like indie games that have maybe the 8 bit graphics uh, or 16 bit graphics. Like, yes, I could play that on a TV, and I would if I, if I had to. Uh, experience you know these these great games like shovel knight uh for example but it just feels so much better playing that kind of game in handheld form Mm -hmm. like i have to decide right now between getting uh cyber shadow which is the next yacht club's games published game that's coming out soon on both playstation 5 and uh the switch but i'm gonna go with the switch because yeah it's it's just the kind of game that i feel like has to be played on the switch in handheld mode yeah like i don't know i i know some people don't use both functions both docked and handheld equally but i'm very much like i use them pretty much 50 50 maybe even more on the handheld side uh but like i love the fact that i can do that um yeah 100 and 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 i'm glad you said that because yeah, even though you're like, you know, it's maybe it's a dumb thing. I don't think it's a dumb thing because it's just your preference to play 2D games on the handheld. But, you know, it brings up to me just from a sheer like giddy fan perspective, it brings up the most obviously incredible thing about the Nintendo Switch with 2D games. Maybe, yeah, you want to play it on handheld because 2D games are, are the, the connotation is handheld systems there. But let's you can play Breath of the Wild on the go. Yeah, done. and I did that right there. Done. Like that's. I, the I don't know. You remember thing. when like, we lived together? Like I would sit at the kitchen table and play, uh, or the dining room table, and play Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey. Like both yeah. of us would have done that. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Even like, in, yeah, exactly. Like even in our own homes, when we had TVs right downstairs, we'd still choose to move up and play and, games because we wanted yes. to be still somewhat social with people, and, so we could and, still have yes. that feeling of hanging out with our friends while playing our games and not just being locked away in our rooms. And and that and again you've you've just given me another train of thought and, and to what why it's my def, right now my definitive number one it's because even if you're not and alana pierce is the person who nailed this perfectly when breath of the wild first came out because of the nature of the switch in and of itself in terms of how you interact with it or you can't how you can interact with it even if you're playing a single player game she used the example of Breath of the Wild, but it can apply to anything. It, if if somebody's playing on the TV or they're playing on their own handheld switch and you're on handheld or you're on the TV, whatever it is, if you're both in the same room, you ha- with that flexibility to not have to share a TV or share a controller, or go back and forth and take turns, even single player games become incredible multiplayer experiences. They become social experiences and none, no other game exemplified that better than Breath of the Wild. Yes, I put 200 hours into that game. James put 100 and something hours into that game. But so many of those hours for me was sitting at the table with James talking about, oh, oh, did you did you go to this area and find the Korok under this rock here? Oh, shit, no, I didn't see that. Let me mark it on my map. Or me 
sitting in my bed with my girlfriend while she's on the TV. I'm in handheld. Oh, uh, girlfriend of the show. Oh, hey, I, she was just Sorry. a girlfriend at the yeah, time. It's kind of leveled up. That's at true. This point. Yeah, so now upgraded to girlfriend of the show. We're sitting in bed or sitting on the couch going, oh shit, you found another shrine underneath that that mountain? Oh my God, you got to show me where that is. Or did you do thing, this thing this way? So even if it is your, your play file and your game you own and only you physically played it, so much of when you look back in hindsight, so much of it was a social experience. Same thing with Mario Odyssey. Like, and it's all because of the the console in and of itself, the hardware in and of itself. And like with the library in mind that's available, both third party, first party, indie, whatever it is, and then just the way the the hardware of the Switch changed the way you interact with games and those around you who also play games. All of that in tandem, how can it not be your number one? To, to me, at least as a Nintendo fan, I should say. Like, how can it not be your number one as a Nintendo fan? Yeah, you've uh, you've hit the nail on the head there. I, I don't know, like, like even just looking from a game's perspective, how could it not be your number one? Like, I don't know. I think that's uh, I think that's a good point to end that discussion. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, just quick recap: my top five: PlayStation Five, Wii U, 3DS, GameCube, and the Switch. All yep. great consoles. Uh, my five was Nintendo DS. Game Boy Advance SP specifically, the mm-hmm. Xbox 360, the Wii, and of course, Nintendo Switch. Uh, subject to change as generations go on, of course, though. Exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, we can move on to the next segment called What's John Been Playing? Oh, a little changer for once. James been playing. Um, well, I haven't been playing too much this week, actually. Yeah, I, I've, I've only got one game this week. <laughs> I, I think, and I actually think we share a game, which is uh, I I came back to the the Pathless on PS5. Yeah. Um, the Pathless. Yeah. I was telling James, and he told me he obviously did it in a much shorter time because he's had the game in less time than me, and he's already as far as me. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I got to focus on this game more. Um, <laughs> and that is, uh, the, I did the first boss in the Pathless. Now I think there's three. So pro- I'm guessing that you you spent a lot more time looking around before you did the boss, right? And exploring and getting yeah. stuff. Yeah, exploring, okay. getting a feel for the movement. So there's a reason that I didn't want to do that, and I wanted to do the boss first. And okay. that's because I didn't want to get caught up in the red storms. Yeah, much. that's a good point. Because that, that kind of inhibits how much you can explore. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of, the way I'm progressing through the game right now is by getting the necessary uh tokens or uh emblems or whatever beating the boss and then doing the rest so i've done i've completed two sections so far fully and i yeah so i i would do the the boss first and then i'd spend a lot of time before leaving i would get everything i could yeah i mean I, I I didn't find the red storms too much of an issue because I also found, and I don't know if I, like this is supposed to happen or not, but I found like, oh, okay. So in order to, to fight a boss, by the way, you have to go to different points of interest, solve a puzzle, and then you unlock kind of a token that is emblematic of that boss. And then you uh, you 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 clear the land of the fog that surrounds it. And then it ends, and then it triggers a boss fight. Um, yeah. And I found like, when there was a point of interest where I was like, okay, I'm going to go there, solve a puzzle and get a token. Um, 
there was the storm nearby and I was like, fuck, okay, but that one seems really cool and I want to do it right now. So what I would do is I would approach towards the storm and then turn around, run away from it. And by the time I looked back, the storm was gone from that location. It just moved to another location entirely. Oh. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm clear to go now. <laughs> like, and I did that like three times. Interesting. Yeah. So tr- try it. See what happens. It's not necessarily. I also the don't mind. Thing, I also but... don't mind doing it the way I'm doing it. Oh, 100 percent, 100%. But if you're curious, you could try that. I, I mean, yeah. it's not necessarily the most fun thing in the world, but I didn't mind doing it. it didn't, there are, it didn't there were like certain that. parts of the map where the storm just couldn't reach me too. So I kind of, mm. you're kind of able to wait it out till it moves in another direction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I'm really enjoying it. Uh, the movement is a ton of fun, uh, and the boss fights are like they're pretty pretty spectacular. They're epic. They're just yeah, truly they're pretty, epic. I, I was trying to not to use the word epic, but they are. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I usually have to avoid that word as well. But like, yeah, but they, they like, truly it's, are. It's a big spectacle. Um, they like. Have you done more than one now? No, just one. Just one. Just one. Okay. Yeah, the second one is even more like even more intense, I guess. Um, nice. Okay. And based on what the third uh, boss looks like, that's going to be insane. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm looking forward to that one. But yeah, like it's, I don't think it's supposed to be too long of a game. Uh, I've put about four hours in right now, I think. But I'm still, I think there's five, sections of the map to work through Mm -hmm. so i think i'm gonna spend at least at least 10 hours with this one and i'm okay with that because it's uh it's a lot of fun i I enjoy the puzzles too they're not always i don't know I, i like the kind of puzzle where it's not granted i do like thinking about it too but i like the ones where it's like you can figure it out pretty quickly and it's just a matter of like maneuvering things in the right in the right I, way. I just call them i call them zelda puzzles honestly like not yeah. even in like a, yeah. a, a like an unfair cheap way of sure. like oh you're just copying zelda it's like no like to me the best puzzle is a zelda puzzle because it can be hard but al- almost very rarely very rarely on the side of frustration or time consumption you know like yeah, our time consumption. exactly and That's i find perfect. a lot of the time like and this happened in uh, in Immortals Phoenix Rising, which I beat. I guess I could have mentioned that too. Um, oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, uh, and that was a lot of fun. And that a uh, similar vibe in terms of like Zelda puzzles and and stuff. But I did find you get this this aha moment, and I did find myself literally saying "aha" when I'd find something, <laughs> like when I'd figure it out or find the right piece that I was missing. And I like that feeling. Uh, it's it's very satisfying yeah it's the pathless is special uh i played just a little bit of that i think i'm about three to four hours in maybe i I think a little less than you um but aside from the pathless uh and also you playing it completing mortals phoenix rising which is awesome uh still grinding destiny uh i told myself i wouldn't mention destiny because it just assume i've played it so yeah uh as well as the two other uh shooter games (laughs) that were formerly made by bungie (laughs) um And then I started up, I think because my, my, oh yeah, my brother got this me for me as a gift for, uh, for Christmas on top of a Games Pass uh, extension to my subscription, which is fucking awesome because Game Pass is the best. Um, and that is the new Yakuza game 
Yakuza oh, cool. like, like a dragon. Cool. Man. Um, gameplay wise, I will say haven't done a lot of gameplay because the intro's very cutscene heavy, a lot of exposition, but the exposition is fucking great. People talking about the perfect balance between absolutely hilarious, like truly, truly hard to catch your breath, sometimes funny, but then like, oh my God, I instantly care about this person so much. And there's such a heartfelt moment there. Like back that, that positive breakneck kind of whiplash of, of uh, tones there is, is absolutely true. Like everything that everyone's been saying about the writing is true so far in my four or five hours of playing it. And man, that is something that if, if it keeps going at this rate and I get even more into combat and hopefully the combat's as good as I think it can be, um, this could make me a Yakuza fan, man. This could make me dive back into a bunch of the other ones, especially Yakuza Zero and stuff like that. So cool. I've been having a ton of fun with that. Nice. And that's pretty much it for me, honestly. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, people might have noticed by now, uh, like John plays a lot of games at once. Uh but a lot of them are like multiplayer or like ongoing kind of things. I'm pretty much like one game at a time. So hopefully I have something new to talk about next week. Uh, doesn't we'll matter see. if you don't. I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter. But yeah, I've got Pikmin 3 Deluxe like in my Switch right now. I just haven't started it yet. So I okay. will probably get to that um, shortly. Yeah. And I think there's um, sales on the eShop right now, so I might end up buying some other stuff too. We'll yeah, see. there's a couple of New Year New Year's sales items there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it for episode 16 of The Logbook. Thank you very much for listening. Um, if you don't know already, we're available on pretty much all major podcast platforms. We're available on Apple Music, Google, and Spotify. Uh, so if you have, if there's a, a place to leave feedback, please let us know what you, what you think of the show. Please give it a rating, whatever it may be. Uh, and let us know what your favorite consoles are of all time, if you if you can think of any, uh, over on Twitter, at Logbook Podcast. Uh, give us, again, feedback, any ideas there for, for future content. And yeah, again, especially after today, let us know what your favorite memories and your favorite consoles are, uh, if you have any. Uh, and aside from that, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.